Well, we had an incredible weekend last week here at uh, Graceland, and I, I just want to celebrate with you just for a few minutes uh, this morning. Uh, last weekend, we had over almost $56,000 given from this location in Palmyra. Uh, we had 1,667 people on both campuses through the week with different events. We saw six people receive Jesus Christ. We had 45 people join last week. We had 26 new people step into a discipleship relationship as we look to see people not just gather in this room, but to grow and then to go. And then we had a grand total in attendance last week of 1,369 people. Graceland, can you just say thank you to God for what he's doing in our, in our midst? What an incredible work he's doing. Would you turn to Acts chapter 9 with me? Acts chapter 9. On your smartphone, uh, if you have a Bible in front of you or a tablet, if you don't own one of those, there's a Bible in front of you. We'd love for you to use that. If you don't own it, own a Bible, take it home with you. It'd be our gift to you. I say that every week. We want you to learn right from Scripture this morning. Acts chapter 9. As you turn there this morning, we're also going to uh, have a pop quiz. Yay! For tests in church, right? Okay, so in your listening guide, in the bulletin you were given, pull it out. There's four lines. And we're going to have a pop quiz this morning. All right, we need everybody to participate in this. And the first fill in the blank, this is a guy. That's the hint that I'm going to give you. And he failed military school, basically. He was sick as a child. You're going to guess who this is. And they counted him out completely. They, he barely survived, let alone would ever make a difference in the world, ever do anything great. He failed numerous times for public office, but he would later go on to stand up against the Nazi war machine. He would lead his country alone, and he would champion them never to give up. If you know the answer, don't let it out. Just write it down in that first blank. Write it down. Second one. Uh, is that she was definitely counted out. She was um, going through her life, and she was involved in a horrible accident. And she dove into the Chesapeake Bay area, and she ended up fracturing her back and ended up paralyzed from the shoulders down. Everybody counted her out at that point, including herself. She went through a Great Depression. But she went on, to unbelievable, to write multiple books. She went on to found an incredible ministry, and she's traveled around the world. If you know who this is... Right in the blank. Okay, now, we're going to see how well you did. So this is just the first two. We're going to grade, uh, grade your papers, class, all right? Uh, so the first one is, anybody guess? Yeah, all the people in the front row are like Winston Churchill. All right, that's right, because you all sit down front. The second one was, Jonah, yeah, that's right. Man, you guys are smarter than, than I gave you credit for as I was preparing for this, all right? So here's the good news this morning. The pop quiz isn't over. All right, the third fill in the blank. This is going to be probably uh, easy for some. This man was a Jew by, uh, by birth, a Pharisee by conviction, a Roman by citizen. He was educated. He was educated in the Greek ways. Uh, he, and then by grace, he was a Christian. He became a missionary, a theologian, a great thinker, a lover, an activator, a fighter, and a friend, and a statesman. This was the Apostle Paul. All right? Yeah, there you go. Someone's like, yes, I got one. Yeah. And then just in case you got the first two wrong, okay, I'm going to give you uh, the last one. I just need you to fill in your name in that fourth blank. 
Just fill in your name, all right? You got at least 25% this morning. And this is a sliding scale, okay? So hopefully most of you will pass this morning. You need to see for Winston Churchill and for Joni Erickson Tata and, and for the Apostle Paul and yourself this morning, here's what I want us to all to kind of understand and to realize. That as we encounter things in our life that are obstacles, that are hard things, we will count ourselves out. We will just not be able to see our way through it. And this is just a normal way of life, is it not? Is it not? But when you see God that way, and you see His grace that way, and you see His purpose for your life that way, and you relate everything to what you know about God through this same filter, this is where we get into trouble. Okay, so with that in mind, I, I kind of want to just declare what the phrase we're going to be kind of using as our foundation, really the main point this morning. And that is this, as we go through this series called I Quit, this morning we want to quit counting myself, ourself, and others out. We've got to quit counting ourself and others out. And and so we're going to read from Acts chapter 9, verses 1 and following. Verse 1, it says, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that he found any, any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. So I want you to imagine something. I want you to imagine sleeping in your bed, going to bed tonight in your bed, but being in complete and utter fear for ISIS to come to your door to rip you out of bed, to take your children away from you if they're there in your house or if you have children, if not, to rip you out of your bed and to face either execution or prison the rest of your life for something you did not do. This was Saul 2,000 years ago. And Scripture says that he's breathing, he's breathing murderous threats. Okay, in the original language, it's like he's breathing, he's like a wild beast ready to devour. This is how some of you are like before you get your coffee in the morning, right? Or when UK loses for some of you as well. But he's on this, he's on this long 140 mile journey from Jerusalem to Damascus. And he has one thought in mind, and that is to bring ISIS type terror to their front door. Then in verse 3. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And all of a sudden, it's it's, it's at the high point of noon, and he sees this light, and it's greater than the sun. Scripture would tell us later on, actually in 1 Corinthians, that he sees the resurrected Jesus. It puts him on his knees friends this proud and haughty man he's on his knees verse 5 who are you lord so asked well i'm jesus whom you are persecuting he replied now get up and go into the city you will be told what you must do the men traveling with saul stood there speechless they heard the sound but did not see anyone Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could not see anything. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. So how does Paul respond? Well, he responds to all of this incredible supernatural activity with just one phrase. Well, he says, 
Where are you, Lord? Now, now turn with me to Acts chapter 22, if you can. Acts chapter 22, real quickly. There in verse 9 and 10. And in, in, in chapter 22, Saul ha, is recounting what happened on the road to Damascus that day. And in verse 10, he says, look, in that moment, I said, what should I do, Lord? What, what should I do? And in both separate instances, he uses one word to declare who he calls God, and that's the word Lord. And what that word actually is, is the word kurios. And kurios means Lord, God, Messiah, Savior. Now, this man was educated, prideful, arrogant, and was the, the, he was the top of the top. And for him to actually whisper, let alone say the words of God, was completely blasphemous. No Pharisee would ever have said that. But in this moment, everything is changed. Everything is changed. You know why? Because God became personal. God became near. For Saul, everything changed. Here he is, once strong, once mighty. Now he's kneeling. He was going around seizing everyone else. Right now, Jesus has seized him. And a transformation so mightily happens in this man's life, he literally has to change his name from Saul to Paul. And incidentally, the name Paul means small. A man that knew so much now is humble to the point where he just says, I'm nobody. I'm just a small man. And here, here's the incredible thing. This man becomes a believer and a follower of Jesus Christ. And that is unbelievable in this context if we can really put it into our frame of mind. Here you have a man who is a murderer, a terrorist of the greatest proportion, and now he's a supposed follower of Jesus. And the greatest transformation that maybe we've ever seen on the planet right here is teaching us one particular thing, and that's this, that we need to say, I quit counting myself out because my sins, in my own opinion, are unforgivable. We've got to stop saying that. See, God's ability to forgive, God's ability to forgive is not based upon the depth of your sin. God's ability to forgive is not based on the depth of your sin, but on the depth of his love. See, I've met so many people throughout the years in coffee shops or whatever, just doing life with them. And they've shared with me, there's no way God could forgive me. There is no way God could really forgive me, Ray. And here's why, and they'll share with me. And maybe here this morning, you, you have the same exact thought. Or maybe here this morning, you, you know differently. But let's just kind of reorient ourselves around this one particular aspect, that our sins are forgivable, and here's why. Because here's a man who has done worse than anyone here in this room. Maybe you've done things horribly wrong. Maybe you have completely screwed up and your past is a mile long here this morning. But let me tell you something. You have not dragged people out, women, innocent children, out of their homes and, and, and done what he has done. You have not literally hauled someone to the public square and gave, given people rocks and said, I'll hold your clothes while you pelt this man and kill him. You have not done that. And here's a man who has done these things, and God says, not only is he going to be forgiven, but he's going to be possibly one of the greatest instruments of mine the world has ever seen. I love it. It's unbelievable. And I just want you to know that your sins can be completely forgiven. We've got to quit counting ourselves out for that. 
Now, I've been reading recently, there's going to be this thing called a total eclipse of the heart. No, I'm just kidding. I just had to say that. <laughs> but there's going to be a total eclipse on August 21st. And it's going to happen in the afternoon. And hopefully it's not going to be cloudy because the whole, the, the whole country is getting ready for this phenomenon. And you got to get your glasses out and you're going to see this, this total eclipse. It comes around only one and maybe a lifetime or maybe if you've lived a longer time, maybe twice in your lifetime. It's going to be incredible. It's going to be a spectacular sight. But in order to view the spectacular sight, you have got to what? you got to look at it, right? And in the same way, you and I, we have got to come to the, the conclusion and understanding that we have got to take our, our, our eyes off of ourself, our eyes off of our sin, and we've got to look and put our eyes on the sun. And when we put our eyes on the sun, there's forgiveness to be found no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, there's utter and complete forgiveness for you. Another way to say this is that sin counted you out, but grace calls you in. That sin counted you out for the count, but grace, it calls you in. And not only does grace call you in, it then heals you. It, 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 you see your life completely and utterly transformed. And then what it does next is that then it sends you out on a new calling. This is what happens in the life of Paul, doesn't it? This is what it happens in the life of everyone who literally understands the very transformation that Jesus can do in a person's life. Ever, ever thought to yourself, okay, maybe God for, can forgive me. Maybe, Ray, I, I get it, preacher, you're making sense, but there is no way God could ever use me. There's no way that I, God, I could ever make a difference in anyone else's life. I'll tell you what, I, I raise my hand about 18 times a week thinking that exact same thing. I want to encourage you to I want to tell you a story. This is Liz. Uh, we're going to put a picture on the screen of Liz, hopefully. And Liz uh, was a journalist in college, okay? And uh, she wanted to go and change the world. And she wanted to go out and she wanted to um, take these pictures and write these stories about these war impoverished countries and, and help to bring light to certain things. And hopefully she would see the world transformed. Well, here, here's the story. No one would hire her. The New York Times wouldn't touch her. Nobody would even touch her. All the big uh, magazines that could afford to send her to a different country, they, she, they just couldn't afford her. So she, she goes on her own. She just buys a one-way ticket to Uganda. And there she begins to learn about these women who wanted to learn, who wanted to get out of poverty, but there was no way financially they could do it. They were just stuck in the same cycle that their, their mom and dad and their grandparents and their great-grandparents had been on. And so she doesn't know what to do. So you know what? She says, I'm going to create a revenue stream for these women so that they can get educated. So she creates this chicken farm and totally fails. I mean, just like utterly just bottoms out. And I love that. But then she says, you know what? I don't know anything about chickens, but I know something about how to make sandals. And so she begins to teach these women how to make these sandals. And as she teaches these women how to make sandals, these sandals begin to sell. And as they begin to sell, that she realized that, wait a minute, I've got something here. I can literally help these women make a decent, dignified wage, not in slave-type conditions. They can make these sandals, and in turn, a sustainable revenue stream can be created. And through this, they can be sent to college. Well, here's the great thing, that to date, through Seiko Sandals, 
87 women in Uganda have gone on to college to be educated because of Liv saying, Liv saying, you know what? I have a new calling that God can use me. You can be a, you can be a 16-year-old, a 26-year-old, or a 96-year-old, and there is a calling on your life that he is calling you to step into. And the only thing that matters is what comes to God's ability to use you. It's not what others think of you. It's not what you think of you. It's what God thinks of you. Paul could have said, man, they're going to be scared of me. And yes, they were. But God said, I have a calling for you. God, Paul could have said, whoa, you don't understand what I, you know, I, I'm, I'm a, I have really messed up my life. I'll just kind of come. I'll sit in the back row. I'll keep quiet and I'll go home. But God said, no, there's something more for you. And there's something more for every single one of us. God has this calling for you. See, we got to quit saying and counting ourselves out that God can't use us. Because we're forgiven, we're found. And because we're found, well, then God fleshes out a new calling in our life simultaneously to the calling and, and the redemption and the conversion we see in our lives. You know what God says about you? Here's what God says about you. He says, you are in a church. Wasn't that the most profound thing I said all day? You're like, man, this preacher is smart. Where in the world did this guy come from? You're in a church. How many of you knew that? Yeah, most of you knew that, right? But there's something more to that. See, the word church in the Greek is the word ekklesia. And the word ekklesia really isn't church. In our English translation, it's the word called out. And here's why that matters. Earlier in the text, we read that, that God said to, to, to Paul, he said, why are you persecuting me? And here's, here's what he's doing. He's saying, look, uh, <clears throat> Mr. Saul, what you're doing, the people that you're terrorizing are the people that I love. When you are hurting them, you are inflicting pain upon me. God loves his church, not the building, but he loves his church. And because he loves his church, he has called you and I to use the things of our, that we've been given, and the, the time, the talents, the resources in our life to be a part and used in the body of Christ. This last week I put on Facebook, I, I just put a, a phrase, and it was an informal survey, and I just asked, maybe in just one word, What's the one word that comes to mind when you hear the word church? One person wrote fried chicken. And uh, I, I thought, well, that's two words, okay, but who's counting, right? Others, others had good things to say, and others had really hurtful things to say about it. And that hurt me. Some said a building, and that hurt me too. And even though we call this place a church, we're really the church. And because we're really the church, we need each other. And we need to understand this as we step into a new uh, calling. It'd be kind of like, like this. You say, hey, I want you to come over to my house, Ray. But I don't want you to bring that skank wife of, uh, of yours along for the ride. Just you. I'd be infuriated with you. I'd never maybe talk to you again. Well, I'd talk to you, all right, all right. But... <laughs> But, but, but here's, the, here's the deal. It, it, it's that we cannot say that we love Christ and then we say, but we don't like the church. 
We're not associated with the church because this is the very thing that, that, that Paul is called into. This is the very thing that you're called into to use your calling. And every Christian church's mission is to go and make disciples. And we do that here at Graceland to gather in this place, to grow in discipleship through a discipleship relationship in our groups. And then we go unleashing compassion and sharing Christ all around. And the reason why I mentioned all this is because I know churches put a bad taste in some of your mouths. Some of you have been ashamed of how the churches act. Some of you have been hurt by someone at a, you know, in a body of believers in a church. But guess what? God is ashamed of those people. God is ashamed of those actions. And God is ashamed of you when you mess up too. God is ashamed of me when I mess up. But guess what? His grace comes into play, and everything, my friend, is covered by Christ. And here's, here's why I'm so excited about that. We can enter into it knowing, hey, it's not going to be always perfect. That's why I would say we're not a perfect church. We're a healthy church. And because we're a healthy church, we understand our mission. And grace calls you into a new calling to join other believers just like you and just like me. That's why we get to go and we get to serve like we're going to do on September 16th. That's why the, we, we want to invite people on December the 24th. We're calling it, you know, everyone bring one. It's a cool phrase, you know, rhyme, right? Everyone bring one. You get it? Everyone bring, are you awake? Everyone bring, you know, you get it? Okay. But there's opportunities to step into your calling at Graceland. We don't want you just to sit here. We want to see, we want you to be discipled, to become more like Jesus Christ. So let's quit counting ourselves out, thinking that God can't forgive us. Let's, and because of, let's quit counting ourselves out of, on our calling. And because we, we must quit calling ourselves out, we must quit calling others out. Look at it with me in verse uh, 10. In verse 10 it says, In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias! Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street. Now, this is interesting, a little history here. You can actually go to Damascus today and walk on this road. It actually goes from the, the west to the east gate. You can actually walk on Straight Street. I thought that was really interesting. And ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who come, who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go! This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house, I love that, and entered it, placing his hands on Saul. And he said, Brother Saul. And I love this. Possibly that may have been the first time that Saul, who is now Paul, has been loved on by another Christ follower. He says, he says, Brother Saul, the Lord Christ, Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see him again. He got caught up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. I mean, Ananias, can you think about it? He must have been terrified. I want you to go to a terrace house 
and I want you to reach out to him. Can you imagine? And not only does he do this, but he befriends him. He befriends a murderer. He would prop up Paul and his ministry to such a degree that he would prop him up and then he would just kind of fade into the distance. I mean, right, for every Batman, there's a Robin, right? And, 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 and Paul's Robin was Ananias. And God is calling you and I not to count any, anyone out that we know. Why? Because, look, there could be another Apostle Paul out there in your life, and he may call you to go out to them. He may call you to reach out to them this very minute. I want you to think about someone right now. I want you to think about someone who you've counted out. Has it been a, a, has it been a parent? Has it been a, a child? Has it been a, a friend? Has it been a classmate? Has it been a coworker? Has it been a neighbor? Who has it been? And you've just counted them out. They have failed you over and over and over again. Are you scared of them? Or they, they've, what, I don't know what it is, but who have you counted out today? Because I'll tell you what, the entire region had counted this man out. But one friend befriends a murderer and his life is transformed. Whoever God is bringing to mind right now, perhaps, I want to, I want to just encourage you in a couple ways. First of all, you've got to pray for him. You know, it's one thing to pray for the brothers and sisters all around the world who are being persecuted for their faith. Right here in the, in the country and around the world. It's one thing to pray for them. But what about praying for those who are persecuting? What about praying for the leaders of, of ISIS, the ones who are persecuting and striking fear into the hearts and minds of those around us? What about that? God could have wiped the Apostle Paul off the planet and justice would have been served. But what did God do? He flipped a terrorist for his glory. God's ways are better than our ways, and we have to understand that. The second thing is it's going to take faith. Boy, it took a lot of faith. There's going to be a chasm to jump across, and you may not know what it looks like to land, but it's going to take faith. It's also going to take engaging doubters. Oftentimes, it's easy to dismiss the doubter. It's easy just to be like, well, they don't, they don't think of the way I think. They don't do things the way I do. Well, I'm just, whatever. I'm going to say my piece, and I'm going to walk away. I'm going to drop the mic and just kind of walk off, and they just make their own decision for themselves. But I'm telling you what, there's an entire generation behind me that is ready and willing to engage in conversation if you're willing to. Not, not in, a, in an argumentative way, and not in a, uh, in a way that's just extremely, extremely dogmatic or prideful, but in an open-ended conversation. That generation is, is willing to do that. And, I, and I'm wondering, would we be willing to not dismiss the doubters in our life? This, Paul was a doubter, wasn't he? We must be willing to engage them. And finally, you've got to see people the way God sees them. You've got to see people the way God sees them. As I watched the news this last week of what happened in Charlottesville, Virginia, my heart broke. The events are in the hearts and minds of every single person maybe in this country right now. And our country has been more torn in two, I feel like, than it has in recent days. And I just want, to know, I just want you to know that if we could see people through God's eyes, He doesn't see people with the color of skin he doesn't, see where, he doesn't see and count them outside. 
Grace counts them in. And my friends, hatred and racism is a stain on the human soul. And I want you to know, it has caused far too many blinded people to be wrapped up in hatred. And may that never be me. And may that never be you. Let's see people the way God sees them. Uh, Just a couple weeks ago, I was on a radio uh, show, talk show, and I was a guest. And and the the radio talk show host is one of my friends. And um, they had me on the show because they wanted me to share about being impacted and mentored by Howard Hendricks, who was my greatest mentor in my life. And Howard Hendricks, who we lovingly call Prof, okay, um, has (laughs) has mentored so many great individuals through his life. And, uh, you know, the talk show host said that he was the most influential person of the 20th century who no one knew anyone about, nothing about. And because so many of the people that he discipled went on to lead churches, in fact, every Sunday it was thought to be said that 250,000 people worshipped on Sunday because of the leaders that he raised up that led churches. And so we were talking about him, and, and, and his, his, his history came up. Howard Hendricks grew up in the inner city of Philadelphia, And he was heavily involved in bullying and in gangs. And he really had a one-way ticket to nowhere, to be honest. And one person, just one person didn't count him out. It was an elementary school teacher. So if there's any teachers in the place, I want you to just kind of lean in in this moment with me. One teacher looked at him in the face and said, Howie, everybody else has counted you out because you got a bad reputation and blah, 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 blah. But she said, I don't believe a word of it. I believe. There's greatness. And that's all it took for, some, for him to just spring to his step. And the gospel transformed his life. And he became one of the most influential men in my life. And thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people along the way. It's time that we quit counting others out. We just never know. We never know. So as I close today, I, I just want to ask you, would you, would, you, would you stop counting yourself out? And would you stop counting others as well? Would you bow your head with me? Would you close your eyes for a second? I want to ask you this question. Who have you counted out? Like I said earlier, has it been a child? Has it been a parent? Has it been a friend? Has it been a cousin? Family member, a co-worker? Who who have you counted out? I'll tell you what, God brought someone to mind this week for me. And God may be calling through the Spirit of God for you to rise up, for you to say, I quit counting that person out, and I need to go to them today. And extend mercy and to pray for them, and to see them as God sees them, and to reach my hand out. God also may be saying that, speaking to your heart today, you came in with a past that still follows you. And Jesus wants to tell you today that your sins are forgivable, that your past can be wiped clean, and you can get past your past only through grace. Grace counts you in. And that's what you need to hear and know this morning. That their relationship with Jesus Christ, the falling upon the cross and saying, Lord, Lord, is what you need.
Maybe that's you today. I just want you to know that I'm praying for you, friend, and that I don't even maybe know who you are, but, I, but I've been praying for you that God would speak to your life and you would understand that for your very journey.